I'm Mark Stedman, and I'm living the biro equivalent of the good life. I'm John Hickman. You can sing to my cat if you like. I'm John Bands, and I work driving a limousine for a family of cheap green retractables. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. leopard, leopard, leopard. From the Outpost, this is Beware of the Leopard, and it's the podcast where we trawl through the entirety of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Universe, regardless of levels of obscurity. We will get to that later. Uh, We're working our way through the V's today, uh, but we're flicking the V's. (laughs) First, let's polish off a quick U with something very definitely not clearly defined. Wild horses thundered through the sky, taking fresh supplies of reinforced railings to the uncertain areas. That's a line from the popular book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and it describes a thing that happens aboard the starship Heart of Gold. Uh, when Ford and Arthur are brought on board, and it's all thanks to the infinite improbability drive, Natch. Uh, John B., what picture does your mind conjure up when you hear a phrase like that? And I don't mean Natch. Nachos. Uh, but I've got oh. a, I have a filthy mind, and um, what uh, came to my mind in exactly the same way as if anybody ever mentions the Netherlands <laughs> is... Um, uh, yes, the the nether regions, the nether Netherlands, the the dark passages, the uh, Bourneville Boulevard, um, Cabris Close. Is uh, he? We'll tell him to get round out. The, round, the, round the back where chocolate's made, um, which is of course opposite to uh, where where the lemonade can be found and the milk, and uh, and the milk. Yes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> And yes, I essentially thought of, of uh, a thing that you might call Jeremy Clarkson an ass. The uh, a bum, a bum, a bum, a bottom, <laughs> a bum bum. Um, but it could also be something uh, akin to um, some kind of plural zone, maybe a sort of, uh, sort of temporal plural zone. Ooh, where you can't—I don't know—where you can't. Uh, that thing where you left it um, <laughs> that was owned by your brother, you can't find. Uh, I don't oh, the know. thing with the—I'm I'm not certain. The thing it. that has a raffia work base with a with a sort of attachment where your father um, put his hammer. That's, thing, a, yes. that's the thing I was thinking about. <laughs> that's exactly, and his donkey, a uh, nine-bladed sword. Nine, not two or five or seven, but nine. Enough of the DUP's answer to Brexit. Aha! Which he will wield on all you citizens, just like you said there. I get a um weird. Uh, pain in all the diets down my left side. No, I get, um, when I think about the uncertain areas, it gives me a weird Dali kind of, um, feeling. I get a sort of, uh, half a, half a horse, uh, 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 sort of melting over a tree kind of vibe. It's my favorite painting, by the way. The, the, um, for that the, reason, the, the I don't really like it. Not, not because, not because, of, not because of your take on it. Sorry. <laughs> sure. That's quite, quite right. No, that, that's exactly the same thing that I get. And it, when when you when you read it out and it is a little bit like oh i'll just i'll just bash out a description of what a dali thing might be it's a bit it's a bit surreal by numbers uh, without any feeling it's a bit it's a bit fish isn't it yeah yeah it's a bit um it's a bit uh comedian copying eddie Izzard. yes oh yes but the um i when you said dali i thought you meant you know a bit dali <laughs> as in like it's or a lentils. bit like Roll Dahl or... Oh, Dahlesque. Yes. No, Dahlik. But, uh... Dahlik I... is great, isn't it? That's, that's like a fashion label. The, uh, <laughs> of course, the, uh, author of, uh, Streetcar Named Desire really, really likes racket sports. I'm just trying to work this one out. That's why they could see it's not his first name, it's his nickname, Tennessee Williams. Tennessee. Oh, John. Tennessee-ish. 
I'll meet you at tennis. Tennis, yes, that's what this when Sean Connery likes to play racket sports. That's right. to the home of some great publishing houses. Ursa Minor Beta is, some say, one of the most appalling places in the known universe. Although it is excruciatingly rich, horrifyingly sunny, and more full of wonderfully exciting people than a pomegranate is of pips, it can hardly be uh, insignificant that when a recent edition of Play Being magazine headlined an article with the words, when you were tired of Ursa Minor Beta, you were tired of life the suicide rate quadrupled overnight. The most gratuitous use of the word fuck in a serious screenplay is an award you can get at the Ursa Minor uh, Alpha Recreational Illusional Institutions Award, um, or something to that effect. Uh, the trophy is uh, is the silver bale from the wicket key. Uh, Mr Hickman, um, how big a chip on its shoulder does Ursa Minor Gamma have at not being recognised, and is it because it doesn't blow its own trumpet? What is, is, Ursa, is Ursa Minor beat, is it... Is it LA? Is that is that the bit? Um, well, I, I, you see, I would sort of think so, but uh, he probably didn't know anything about LA. At the oh, time. is this before? Yeah, yeah, this is the, in the before times, um, and also it's it's a line about London, isn't it? Um, but I think it's probably an amalgam. It's probably an Ankh-Morpork. Ah, nice to a degree would be my would be my my closest. It's, yeah, because I think I think in in my in my head. Um, London isn't necessarily all media people, but LA is all media people and everyone's got a screenplay and everyone's got a book deal and everyone's got an award. Um, I, I wonder I wonder if it is LA, but an LA of the mind before he went there then? Yeah, I was I was just going to say, I wonder if it's like... Because I've not been there. America, if you know what I mean. That sort of very broad understanding of what, of what America is. Yeah, that or the essentially that London, for a man who's on the fringes of it, at this mm. point, yeah, it's you know what? It's probably a dig at John Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, this was second series, so yes, <laughs> could well have been. We, Us Minor Beta is the uh, most appallingly wonderful place in the universe, it seems. Us mm. Minor Alpha is where all the uh, media hang out. Yeah. What do we know of Ursa Minor Gamma? Oh, nothing. I think I made it up. Oh, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I made it up um, because I thought it would be funny to do a bit, um, which which worked out really well. So I'm really really glad that I did. But in any in any situation where you've got uh, different um, areas competing, mm-hmm. the main I, I'm interested actually in the idea that uh, solar systems would be a sort of locale that would have um, sort of like postcode wars, <laughs> um, because. The big fun about postcodes and the big fun about um, areas is knowing exactly where the gap, exactly where that divide is. Oh yeah, from 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 which house on which corner yeah. is the end of one postcode? That, I yeah, mean, the whole absolutely. world plays this game. It's like going when you go to Greenwich and you see everybody. You know, they've got the Greenwich Mean Line there. Greenwich Mean Line is that what it's called? The Greenwich Meridian. Yeah, they've got it there, and people go, "Oh, look, my uh, each of my bollocks are in a separate." Hemisphere. <laughs> Not a hemisphere, is there a word? For the vertical you one. Cut the earth the other way. Um and, and antipode. Antipode. There's something about um the and yeah, well you got the ah. antipodes, but it's a pode. My bollocks have positive and minus latitude. And negative charges. 
This this one's cathode. And this one's ray. Mm. And in the middle is Charles. <laughs> and if anybody hey. if anybody charges my balls, hey. they'll be held to pay. <laughs> so, uh, have we done as a topic the most gratuitous use of the word fucking a serious screenplay? Now, we've talked about it, but, um, I, yeah, I can't remember if we covered it as an actual topic. So, my... My my point about the most gratuitous word of use, uh, we use the word fucking a serious screenplay, is mm-hmm. there must be a corresponding award, award for the use of the word fucking an unserious screenplay. Ah, yes. Which seems odd, because the whole point of an unserious screenplay would be using uh, gratuitous fucks. Yeah, and then, and then they they become... Do they become non-gratuitous, or do the, does the gratuity sort of become de rigueur? Also, does this award get handed out during the advert break, or is it one oh, of the top tier awards? Is it a main one? I think it's top tier. I think, I, honestly, I think it's top tier. And now, uh, because the alphabet tells us to, uh, it's time for a quick stop off at a character listed by Wikipedia under the category minor. Van Hall is the guide editor that took over from Stigyar Zildogo and a canonical nightmare. In the quintessential phase of the radio series, Van Hall and Zani Whoop, who we'll come to later, are the same person. But to my recollection, that was not the case in Mostly Harmless, the book that the series was based on. Uh, Mr. B, can you help unpick this? It's... you're right. They did merge them, I think. Um, the... Uh, of course, the, uh, the, the guide had been taken over by the Infinidim at that point. Yes. Those are the Vogons, which is painted a different colour. Um, mm-hmm. but I, w- I wanted to take this question on a lift, on another tangent, if I may. Ooh, you may. Characters from literary or other fiction that you feel are either superfluous or you'd like to merge. Would you like to? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm 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 wondering if there are any because uh I think there are there are for example in the uh, film Escape to Victory uh where the uh allied forces take on well allied prisoners of war in the second world war take on the might of Nazi Germany uh, at a game of football played for some reason in Paris don't really understand that. Um, why make it a? Why does it need to be a neutral venue? Nothing else is neutral. Um, uh, and also, everybody thinks it was uh, the Allies won. They didn't. It was a four-all draw, uh, which felt like a victory, but it was actually four-all draw. But in this film, the characters of uh, well Terry Collier, uh, which is the same name as the person out of um, doesn't have to like the lads, but played by. Bobby Moore, England captain, and Michael Caine, uh, West Ham United and England uh, in the film, were essentially the same character. They could have totally been merged. I don't know why they uh, separated them. Oh, actually, I do. They separated them so they could get a role for Bobby Moore in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another problem with your thesis here, John, which is you literally need 11 of them. Yeah, you do, don't you? So. If you go amalgamating them, that's just... Yeah, that's just the giving... subs bench is full of the uh, Eastern European people who have been in the concentration camps and they're in no fit state to come on. Did they have a subs bench back in the 40s? And they, You're right, they didn't have subs in the 40s. This is a plot device. It's an anachronism, isn't it? It's... I tell you what, I'm seeing this film with whole new eyes. 
Don't you just feel like the people who, you know, spot a 1962 car in Mad Men when it's only 1963? I feel like the, no, the, other I way feel like the people who spot digital watches in Ben-Hur... Um, of which there is at least one, eh? Why are they born? Why did they die? And why did they spend most of the intervening years driving chariots whilst wearing digital watches? Can we stop this and do an uh, alphabetical escape to victory podcast? No. So characters from ter- characters who, who you want to amalgamate. So I've seen I've seen this happen. Um, in so other people's lives. Yes, uh, yes. In fact, um, there was a cartoon adaptation of the Jim Carrey vehicle. The Mask. Oh, yeah, 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 there was. In which two characters um, were merged. One of them was a friend of Ip Kiss who worked at the bank. And um, I think, I can't remember who the other guy was, but they, uh, oh, he was a journalist or something. And they got merged into into one character, um, I, I guess, because it was just a bit more expedient. And I imagine that's probably happened um in a in a few other places as well. Here's a tangent. The weirdest one of those. Um, do you remember the Happy Days cartoon? I do not. The Happy Days cartoon, which featured the boys from the fifties America, that was written in seventies America to give us your warm nostalgic glow mm. in a time machine. Stop it at once. Oh yes. Shut your filthy mouth. Wow, they really jumped the shark there, didn't they? Eh? Oh, I. Um, one, I recall, I don't recall a lot of things I did at, uh, primary school, um, apart from captain in the school team winning the maths and English prizes, um, and, uh, being in the, uh, school play, which is a production of Joseph without the songs as a person who had to deliver some blood to the queen, um, topless. Good grief. But not me, <laughs> not the queen, I was topless. The, uh, mm. but I don't, but I wrote a story at school. And um, I've still got it. And it was essentially, I'd written down an imaginary episode of the Happy Days cartoon, which I'd imagined where uh, I was going for uh, a ride in the spaceship time machine thing with uh, Ralph and Potsy and uh, Richie and the Fonz who saved the day. Point point of order here. Can they travel in space? Oh, yes. This is important. Very, very, very much so. You, the space disturbingly there appears to be some sort of um uh creature that's a friend of of the fonz oh, that, that's the one that owns the time machine stroke uh flying saucer okay i can't remember its name that would be good to know and is the time machine shaped like a jukebox it could be run by a it jukebox? looks like it looks like a Wurlitzer. you'd want it to be I think that I think it may have a Wurlitzer in it, which the funds has to fix or access. In some if, way. Yeah, so it's it could got be a, a chameleon circuit situation, Mark. It could be. Yeah. Oh, of course, it's just stuck to look like a Wurlitzer. Yeah. Mm. Oh wow! Good grief, Henry Winkler, Ron Howard, like Donnie, uh, they they actually voiced this thing. I mean, it's a step up from the real Ghostbusters, isn't it? Isn't it though? Happy Days is drawn before a live studio audience. <laughs> It's it's a it's a terrible strain on the animator's wrist. So fictional characters you'd like you'd like to combine. Has anyone read or seen the marvelous work Wolf Hall? Oh, I love Wolf Hall. By Harry Mantel. I, I love Wolf Hall. I adore Wolf Hall. Or every fucker in that's called Thomas, and I could probably I could probably rationalise that down to about three key Thomases, um, and still enjoy it. So I'd like I'd like Wolf Hall to go on a Thomas diet. I know it's historically accurate. I know they were all called Thomas, <laughs> but I wouldn't I wouldn't know if if uh, if you called a few of them Jeff mm. 
or Rog. Or just have Brian. some fewer Thomases. Fewer Thomases. I've not read. The, I've not read the book, so there are probably even more Thomases in the book. They've probably already done. That. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of Thomases, and some of them, some of them are the sons of people called Thomas. Oh, for goodness' sake! And then Thomason. they pass. They pass professions in the line as well. So it's kind of. We. I know. I know you got killed, <laughs> but you're here called Thomas doing the same thing. So what's happened there? What's and that the about? sons look like their fathers, especially when you're reading it, John. Um, oh, you've read <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen in the book. Oh, bloody hell, well done, it's huge. Yeah. So last week we talked about hitchhikers in video games, um, but uh, as we careen slowly towards the uh, end of life, the universe, or at least this podcast, I thought we could do a quick what if and see where we think the series would be were Douglas still alive. Uh, I'm not sure we've ever actually asked the question of whether he'd still be churning stuff out, given that he was still working on hitchhiker stuff up until near his death. Um, gentlemen, I, I'm now going to open the floor for questions. Or, or um, actually, more like answers, please. Answers. Give me your answers. So, um, my the idea I've got in my head, uh, if I was going to offer, I can't, I can't think what the word is for this now. If, if I was going to offer an example mm-hmm. of of someone who I think uh, Douglas might have trod a similar path in Livingstone, mm. um, of um, Games Workshop and Fighting Fantasy mm. and computer games. So mm-hmm. all, all all adjacent things um, doesn't really kind of create content that much anymore, mm-hmm. but is somebody who has uh, a lot of business interests and also has um, a lot of leadership and mentoring of the people around him and has kind of carved a, carved a path for himself that's much, much more about being a public figure arguing for certain things to happen. And mm. I think if you take Douglas's kind of wider body of work, the trajectory and things like the stuff he was doing about um, e- ecology and wildlife and all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then the things that he was doing around technology and being sort of someone who was experimenting in that stuff, I found out today that he was he was in some sort of group at Apple talking about the future of books and all sorts of things. Mm. So, yeah, I think he'd have gone more down that kind of thought leader route, maybe, mm-hmm. with potentially, like like someone like Fry, maybe, sort of like, he's Fry is just Fry, but then he pops up and does a thing, or suddenly a book pops out of him. Mm. Um, so, he'd, yeah, he'd almost be a, a kind of a polymath thinker um, and thought leader. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Thank you. Um <laughs> Uh, I will. Uh, I've got some questions by which I mean I'm going to take the mic and, and basically make some statements. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's the thing on. I I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense given that he was in his latter years basically traversing all of the panel shows that he could be on and being one of those people who's just on things. Um, you don't get that as much from Stephen Fry, but he's just he does just pop up every now and again, write something charming or does a YouTube video or says something that um, someone. Um, takes offence to or leaves a social network, and I, yeah, I, I think, I think we would, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. What do you think would be the fate of Hitchhikers? So j- just because I've got, I've got a thought on this, but I'd like to like your thoughts. I will. I promise I will come to that in a second. But just to go back to the the Stephen Fry mm. thing, probably more the In Livingstone thing than the Stephen Fry thing. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, a yeah. little bit more gravitas to it, not not to undermine anything that Stephen Fry's done, mm-hmm. but Ian Livingstone's been kind of in 
committees and working on policy stuff and you know working with people who are actually changing stuff yes and i i, I think he might have done some of that mm-hmm. well doug has already uh, sort of did that because he? he was um became very good friends with uh, mike nesmith um of the monkeys who uh i was gonna say oh monkeys. yeah no no as a, whose mom invented tipex which is where all the money came from oh, yes. before this and mike nesmith used to get together a group of thinkers on a sort of bi-yearly thing at his ranch and try and get them to think about the future Oh, wow. And have really good ideas. And Douglas was one of those. And that's that's why at one point the, uh, Mike tried to buy the rights to Hitchhikers off, off Disney to get it back and get it back into production. And they could have tidied up all the continuity errors with all the Tipex. Well, then, and the, well, the, 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 there is a, a bit in the, the introduction to the Salmon of Doubt, which is the sort of posthumous uh, collection, of, uh, collection of writings and unfinished bits mm-hmm. uh, of Douglas that um, suggests that although... The, um, the, the sort of novel at the end was intended to be a Dirk Gently joint, um, mm. it, that it was falling more towards a hitchhiker's idea and it might well end up of being a hitchhiker's novel. Right. So to, to sort of circle back to ourselves and do a bit of navel gazing for a second, um, we, one of the things we know about Douglas is that he was very inventive and very creative and had lots of stories to tell. The other thing we know about him that he wasn't very, necessarily very good at finishing them. Or, or sitting down and, and, and doing the work, he would be a great showrunner for our Netflix show. And we know that other people can write Hitchhiker because we now have it. So he could run the writing room. He could he could be the... Um, I would say he could be the Dan Harmon, but Dan Harmon basically writes all of the stuff. Uh, but yes, no, he, he could absolutely be uh, a showrunner. I think um, that that's a, that's a really, really astute... Um, he could be the the latter period Sorkin in in yeah, sort of West set, Wing. set up the arc of what's going to happen and then just get the team to, to do it. Yeah, and read it and have the uh, uh, Michael Sher final approval. Yeah, yeah. And now for the next bit. Oh, uh, oh hang on, I lost my pen. Viet Vujagig was a quiet young student at the University of Maxim Megalon who pursued a brilliant academic career studying ancient philology, transformational ethics and the wave harmonic theory of historical perception and then, after a night of drinking pangalactic gargle blasters with Zaphod Beeblebrox, became increasingly obsessed with the problem of what had happened to all the biros he'd bought over the past few years. Mr. Hickman, um, how well does Vujagig's theory about the planet of the biroids fit in with Douglas's later idea that basically any utilitarian device exists in an organic form already? Uh, I'd like your answer in um, 200 words or less, please. Here's what I don't understand about the biro thing. Mm. And I love the biro thing. Mm-hmm. We've definitely made them biros. Yeah. In the biro factory. Did we? Did we? When did they become animated? When did they become sentient? Are you saying Big Biro's? There's a cover-up at Big Biro, and <sighs> and they've all they've been doing is just they've got like a a mummy Biro birth in Biro's you see, all over the place. It's it's tricky, isn't it? Because this was the BBC, and they should really have been called ballpoints. Are they not called that in some versions of the text? I've I I've only ever read it as Biro's, but perhaps there is a an American translation. I, I think I think Americans don't use the word biro. No. Um, 
Write, write and tell us. Um, hello at btlpodcast.com. Feedback at btlpodcast.com. Feedback at btlpodcast.net.biz. Fill in the contact form uh, and do the capture and tell us. Uh, yeah, do, do, yeah, do. Response at Email us at www.io. HTCP card. Right. Yeah, I don't know. He's obviously not from Earth, so we don't have Earth biros. We're not worried about Earth biros. Let's just use, you know, ballpoint pens. We'll, we'll just call them biros. It make, makes life easier. Makes yeah. life easier is, is what I'm trying to say, but not uh, being able to say so. So can we not perhaps go with the idea that they are an organic life form? But Vujigig doesn't yet know this? Ha! Ah, hey, you see, I've run rings around you logically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so are our biros then? Are mm. they just some sort of like race memory, almost intergalactic race memory? Oh, like cricket, like cricket. Mm. We're just making these really just. We're just really distastefully making these effigies of biros. Really, which is, it's basically the space equivalent of making gollywog dolls. It, yeah, or <laughs> yes, or it could be if we like. There's, there's a, there's currently, there's a project, uh, that a guy has come up with that he's teaching a, um, uh, an adversarial network, which is a, 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 um, a particular artificial intelligence, uh, system. It's a way of, of teaching AI to learn things. Um, he's training an adversarial network. Um, I'm probably using the wrong terms, but anyway, he's, he's, he's training this network to create human faces. And there is a website called thispersondoesnotexist.com. Yes. And this is the idea of what a uh, computer thinks a human looks like. And it does a very good job most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but every now and again, it will, you know, put an eye where an O should be or whatever, because it doesn't know what a face is. Um, it's just seen lots of faces and it's doing its best. It's not taking those images. It's creating completely new images, but it doesn't know what a face is. Um so I like the the adversarial network idea because you basically you have two competing AIs and one a one AI machine makes the images and the other one says, "Yep, yeah, that looks like a face. That looks like a face. That doesn't look like a face. I've just seen a face. I can't forget the time or place where we just met." Um, <laughs> um, but every now and again, yeah, you'll you'll get an uh, an aberration. Um, there is also, and I am too terrified to go to it because glitches like this. Uh, disturb the ever-living fuck out of me there is a website which is i believe this kitten does not exist.com or this cat does not exist.com yeah yeah and i am i I, i've heard people describe and i I can't i can't do it i can't do it because um i can't do it um because that stuff it sticks like it haunts my dreams even though i know they're not real um it it horrifies me so just a load of momo cats oh god so the the, uh, the idea that we're making biros that a, an actual mm. biroid life form might come and look at they, they they'll just they could be absolutely horrified and think that is is that what you think we look like yeah that little air hole thing is is about like a millimeter too high um that's rude <laughs> that's also that's not where the ball goes yeah well as she said what is that hole for it's to let the ink breathe. There's a science reason for that, mate. So, so you cannot repurpose them as straws, are you? Oh, really? No, no, I'm just joking. It's, it's, it's probably to make them very practical in a, a situation where you need to do an emergency tracheotomy on an aeroplane. And now for an edible contradiction. 
Cutlets of vegan rhino meat are served by the mice to the humans on Magrathea. John Bounds, a rhino's vegan. Let's hang around with someone. If they are, I'm sure they'll tell us. <laughs> well, rhinos are herbivores, uh, which means they naturally eat plant life, of course, uh, rather mm-hmm. than meat. But um, I'm sure they're not uh, actually vegan uh not only because I'm sure they accidentally eat bugs or if they saw them, they might eat some eggs or, you know, flies might fly into their mouths or worms might crawl underneath their horn to find a... God, that sounds disgusting. But you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> that's only accidental non-veganism, though. That's, that's Surely that's... Well, possible. like we all do, like the, the... We're not all Jane Buddhists who will wear a mouth uh, sort of covering so we don't accidentally uh, breathe in a bug... Um, Indeed. but they, um, I think you, I think, I think it's, it's an interesting, it's a value judgment, isn't it? Because if you're an animal, you're a herbivore. It's like, you've got no choice. It's just what you eat. If you're, if you're a human, you've chosen and, uh, you're not a herbivore, you're a, a vegan, which is a new term we've invented for someone who <laughs> absolutely will have all, wants all the things that are like milk and cheese, but wants to have them slightly blander, much more expensive. <laughs> And um, it, and made of nuts. Yeah, made of nuts. They want to suck those milky nuts dry. Um, oh, good lord! So that as an ex-vegan, arms for an ex-vegan. I, th- I, I, want, I want to wish the the, the rhinos good luck mm. because if they ever go to Venice, <laughs> they won't find anything to eat and will eventually snap and eat a pizza. <laughs> you just yeah, you've you've got to find options wherever you can. I've got a point of order here. Mm-hmm. Can a vegan use a biro? I don't know. They're made of crushed beetle bones, like skittle. Well, if we if we are saying that the the biros are potentially sentient, we don't know that they're dead when we use them or living. Maybe we're just bringing them off. Is that what you're saying? Oh, oh that's where the blue I mean. comes from. Um, well, no, te- no, that technically they probably couldn't. No, that that would be that would make living in this universe incredibly difficult. We're already going to the bad place anyway, so yes. we, none of us have got enough points, so we're all screwed. before the next segment uh, I just need to blow my nose the Jatravarted people of Vitvodal 6 believe that the entire universe was sneezed out of the nose of a being called the Great Green Arkle Seizure in the film we meet Homakovula who appoints himself a priest of the Jatravarted religion uh, Mr Hickman how will you uh, prepare yourself for the coming of the Great White Handkerchief you just need to be that one that clings on <sighs> <laughs> oh dear! The one that just won't—it just—it it takes a takes a licking and it keeps on sticking. Yeah, you, 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 it doesn't matter how hard you blow. You could even—and let's face it, we've all done it. You could even get a big finger in there. Oh god! It, some, sometimes it's just needed. Um, and have a rummage, and it won't come. No, no. Uh, as as a man who is now cl- closer to forty than he is to thirty. Oh god. It is something that I have noticed more and more is that uh, they do they do they do hang around now because they've got more to yeah. cling on to with those with those little yeah. nose hairs. That's right. Yeah. So that's that's basically my plan. Yeah, it's just a whole new problem that, that life throws at you. Like, oh yeah, now you've got this to deal with as well. Yeah. Great performance by your old uh, John Markovich though, I thought in the film. It was um it's nice that he's involved. It is nice that he's involved. I wasn't able to fully enjoy it. And I think at the time that was slightly unfair because I've no reason to suspect that it wasn't a um, 
a Douglas Adams written bit because he did work a lot on the film. Uh, but at the time I was sort of quite stuffy about it. Sort of, I don't understand why this is, it is not part of the Citizen Chronicle at all. He didn't write any of this. Um, cause that's how I talked when I was, uh, what, 21? <laughs> I was going to say, can we can we just take a little sidebar here to talk about the production design of that film? Please. Um, it's been a while since since I saw it, but it's it is quite uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I I won't use quite as intelligent language as you. I would say the whole production of that thing is brilliant. So much of that uh, that film is so so well considered. Yes. Uh, it's got a lot to commend it. Uh, there are good performances. There are good bits. But my my memories of the of the production design was that it was um, Fifth Element meets Harry Potter. Yeah. In terms of sets and props yeah, yeah, and yeah. costume and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Very much of its time in that regard. Yes, but I think it. Yes, I was going to say I think it holds up better than Harry Potter, but that's unfair because the first film was made with no one thinking that it, this was going to go anywhere and then obviously it, it did so you know the, the special effects mm. of the first film don't necessarily hold up whereas the the subsequent ones do a lot better and i think the same is true to a degree of lord of the rings all kind of similar-ish times mm. um but yeah i i think for for a film that is now 14 years old it's it's done very well and you know i think and and that's the tricky thing i think as as films become more more modern films, I think, age more difficultly than older films because the world of CGI moves so quickly, uh, if if that makes any semblance of sense. Uh, and I think it's done very well so far um, to to still live up. Um, and, and I think even things like that... It, it's, it's weird, little things like the size of the guide is really off. It's, it's, it's really wrong. Um, it's the size of like a ma- one of those massive iPad Pros, mm. which is just not practical at all. But the design of the guide is great. And finally, let's rattle through some minor Vs. Viv is a planet with vicious sea creatures. It appears in Mostly Harmless, and that's all we have to go on. The Vlahergs are mortal enemies of the Gagugvants. Um, John B., any mortal enemies? I've um, not any mortal enemies. I've got plenty of normal enemies, as you wrote in the script I've been researching. Um, <laughs> you fuck. I'm Ron Burgundy. John has just done it literally what you asked him to do. He's got all his normal enemies for you. That's okay. <laughs> I can just say no and we'll move no, on. No, no, I'm, I'm not above being made fun of. And finally, Vod, which is presumably the planet where Judiciary Pag is from. Uh, it has three sons, and I say presumably because we um, see him relax in his chambers on Vod, but don't actually know if that's his home planet. Are we sure Vod isn't a girl? Ah, now, a woman. Vod is a girl in Fresh Meat. What? Oh. That's the only Vod I've got other than this one. Okay. It's also a term used in uh, on Twitch. Means video on demand. I'd lie and kneel before Vod, but uh... <laughs> I've got I've got a point of order regarding three sons. Okay, um, and two sons. It's like if you want to if you want to go something's a bit spacey, you go. Oh, I'll stick another son on it. Yep. So we know it's alien. It's very othering. I don't like it. Very very othering. Ooh. It's um. Well, it's all, it's completely uh, astronomically impossible, isn't it? If they were that close, they would two stars. They would merge. 
uh, into a giant hole. Into a bixen. Well, when, yeah. when two stars go to war. Did you say a white hole? John? A white... Uh, uh, sorry. Um, so uh, I don't have any... Uh, I don't know what it is, but I'm guessing it's a white hole. I'm sorry? I'm just upset no one uh, referencing knowledge my great... Uh, That's what I was bit. doing. That's why I was doing that bit again. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I've never seen one before. Nobody has, but I'm guessing it's a white hole. So what is it? <laughs> it's a magic door. <laughs> We used to play a game when we were kids where you kick the toilet door open when someone was having a crap and shut magic doors. It's not really a game. <laughs> uh, well, a um, bit of a mixed bag, that, but um, next week we'll do some Vogon stuff, all right? All right. Well, that just about wraps it up. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, it's been... Oh, it's been, it's, been it's been one heck of a recording. Um, so show. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a nice show. Thanks thanks for thanks for being a part of it. It means a lot. Uh, it does. I, I I'm incapable of sounding sincere, but I am sincere. Thank you very much for for being along uh, for the ride. You know, I'm, I could get a little bit emotional because we haven't got many of these left. We're not long for this world. Um, How many have we got left, Mark? Uh, maybe four. In in sort of canon, if you like, uh, of of sort of um, of of main 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 topics, mainline topics. I'm sure we'll find a way to keep the dream alive after that, though. You know, because uh, we care about each other and we want to spend time with each other. And and what better way to facilitate that than having some kind of pretext that we're going to record a podcast? I mean, it may not be ever be heard by anyone else, but I'll certainly pretend like I'm pressing record, and and you know, we can just have a nice chat. That'd be nice, won't it? Well, you can follow Bounder on Twitter at Bounder. You can follow John Hickman uh, at the same name, John Hickman. There's no H in Hickman. Uh, and there's no H in my name either, which is I am Stedman. Um, you, I'm sort of looking at Twitter and I might wave occasionally and that's about it. Uh, but you'll find me on Instagram. Um, well, thank you again for listening. We will be back next week. So until that time, share and enjoy. This podcast is produced by Podient. To find out more, visit podiantproductions.com. For the uninitiated, this this was a, this was a, a hilarious gag that I wrote um, about um, the city that we we both uh, we, we all at, um, at one point inhabited. Uh, sorry, go on, go on. You don't you don't need to do that bit. You don't need to do that bit. Okay, I'm trying not to make us Birmingham centric. You, mm, I'm going <laughs> to hit you so fucking hard. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> the one out of all of the times I've written something, the one time I make a Birmingham reference, out of all the times you want to talk about some fucking chip shop in Quinton, and you're going to have a go at me. It's not in Quinton. Sorry, no, it's Rowley Regis, isn't it? Fuck's sake. You people make me sick. It's on the country road, but it's not in Quinton. Alexa, shut up! <laughs> Did your Alexa just fire? Yeah. What for? It's the second time I've I've had I've got too many of them, so it's I, I live in constant fear of one of them thinking it's heard its name. They who they must not be named. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.